Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with a focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Amy, Rachel and Molly, and today we're going to be talking all about the inner circle. So on our previous episodes, when we've mentioned the inner circle, we have had quite a few questions. And honestly, if you haven't been around in the fandom for a long time, and if you haven't been in the unreleased community, then the inner circle is probably something that you haven't come across. But for those of us who have, it's honestly quite a controversial topic. And we wanted to kind of go through everything that we know about the inner circle, the history what it actually is, what they have, what they don't have. In terms of the history, around 2007, a forum was set up for fans to chat about all things Taylor. And this was called Taylor Fan. The owner of this website was called Mandy. And there was a fan called Steve who got Mandy to set up a section of the forum to share unreleased music. So this was music that hadn't been put on Taylor's albums. They were maybe demos and just things that were kind of found on the internet and didn't really have a place to call home. So after a while, a lot of people started joining Taylor Fan when it was actually listed on Taylor's website as one of her official fan sites, as it were. And once so many people started to join this fan, people felt that they were taking advantage of the section with unreleased songs. So Steve and Mandy decided to close down this section to new members. So you had to have a password to get into it. Only people who were previously in it could get into it. And it was called the inner circle. So later this was closed down entirely. And as time goes on, Taylor fan becomes obsolete and all of that shuts down. Between 2007 and 2009, after the inner circle closed down on Taylor fan, Steve created his own website called Dark Blue Tennessee, which is named after the unreleased song that we all know and love. And Steve created Dark Blue Tennessee to share information about songs that weren't released, but that he had heard. Now he wouldn't ever share the actual audio or the lyrics as happened on Taylor Fan. He would just share the title and maybe some information about when the songs were recorded or what they were about. A few years later, a forum was installed in Dark Blue Tennessee for the original members of the Inner Circle. Now, after a couple of months, this was hacked. So it returned to the site of Taylor Fan. But then no one really used forums because they were becoming quite outdated at this sort of time around 2012. So the administrators decided not to keep up with it and the domain eventually ran out. So now we get to 2012 is where things sort of get interesting again. Within 10 days, Steve takes down the Dark Blue Tennessee website. Then he puts it back up and then he takes it down supposedly saying for good and then someone else bought the domain so that was the end of the dark blue tennessee era as it was so let's fast forward three years and steve returns with a new website in early 2015 now this is called taylor's inner circle and that is what it has been called from then to this day and when he writes the information he uses we instead of i so it sounds like Taylor's inner circle is a group of people and we know that originally it was a group of people but now a lot of people are speculating that maybe other people have moved on and it might actually just be Steve. It's a bit, he's, he's being a bit performative like he wants to make it sound like it's a bigger deal than it is. 
Exactly. Every few years, the inner circle goes, the website goes up and down. We don't know whether it is being updated, but it maybe goes down for a couple of weeks or months. And every time people are like, oh my gosh, they finally got rid of it. Like someone's caught them, but it inevitably pops up again. And we are currently in one of those time periods. So if you search for Taylor's inner circle, you will find the website, but you will get the 404 error. So you won't be able to actually look at it, but we will be posting on our social media accounts all sorts of the things that were on that website. We opened up on our social media account a question box so that you could ask us questions about the inner circle and we're going to do our best to answer them for you. So Rachel, some people wanted to know how can you join the inner circle? How can you become a member? As it stands, the inner circle has actually never been open for new applicants to join. It is still supposedly the same group of people as it was from back in 2007 on the original Taylor Fan website. In fact, even on the inner circle website, it does explicitly disclaim that you cannot buy membership to this site, nor can you join by trading any other song with them, mainly because they believe that they do have the largest collection of unreleased Taylor Swift songs in the world right now. So it's a very, very exclusive club. There's no way for anybody that's not already in there to actually join it. Uh, yeah, they they actually I have a quote from their website, which is we have the largest collection in the world and nobody has anything equally valuable of Taylor's which they can offer in return. OK, so Molly, how do they get the songs? Honestly, we don't know completely. Steve does claim to have connections in the industry. A lot of the original ones, the ones that have leaked now, come from old demo CDs. So the ones that you may have heard are songs that came from the demos she used to hand out before she released her debut album. But more recent ones, things like Speak Now Rejects, we have no idea how they get them. So that could lead a few people onto thinking, do these people know Taylor personally? Now, Rachel, what's your take on that? We know that several members of them, including Steve himself, have met Taylor multiple times just due to being a fan way early in the debut era when she was still a high school student and it was a lot easier to meet her. However, they are not actually part of Taylor Nation. They're not part of a recording studio. It's just widely believed that they have connections that they can pay off to get these demos from. Yeah, that's interesting. And when we were talking before, actually, you had a theory about Steve being one of, not necessarily a stalker, but... There was a guy with the name Steve that was regarded as a stalker back in 2007, I want to say. There was an incident where... Taylor was walking out of a Target store with her mom and a guy came up to take a picture with her. Again, she'd met him several times and her mom told her, no, honey, don't take a picture with him, not him again. And she then went on to take the picture with him. This was talked about, I think it was on Reddit years and years and years ago. Um, I don't know if it's the same Steve for a fact, but she did have multiple people doing this to her, but there is a possibility. It's definitely an interesting thing to think about, especially considering the way that he has maintained this website and this collection and constantly gone after new music, especially, I mean, God, how long has it been? It's been over 10 years. He's much older than Taylor. Much older than Taylor. So it is kind of a bit weird. Like we say, we don't know any of that for concrete fact, but it's interesting to maybe speculate and consider what are the possibilities. So another question we got is what unreleased songs do they have? Molly, do you want to answer this? Well, they have all the ones we have. They also have, I mean, the one that we hate that they have the most, Nashville. I know Rachel has a lot of strong opinions on that one. I feel like that TikTok trend where someone's like making the gun sound shooting at you and it's like putting your weaknesses. It's going to be like, hasn't heard Nashville. (laughs) I counted that they have 83, including the ones in circulation, but that's not including different as in like 
the we were happy on piano as opposed to the we were happy in the studio like that's just counted as one so they have two lover cuts which yeah. i think are the most mm-hmm. insanely like how did they get them so mm-hmm. they are called all of the girls and need I think maybe the most coveted songs that they have are Nashville, like Molly said, Acting Like a Boy and Pretty Words. Those, I mean, personally are the ones that they have that I wish I had, I would sell my soul for, to be quite honest. Um, Mm. Yeah, they have all of the ones in circulation. So it's not as if we could trade anything with them to get ones we haven't heard. They also have a number of titles that they haven't actually got the songs of, but they know the titles from different different connections and things like that. A big question, which a lot of people asked, is why are they so controversial? Rachel, do you want to tackle this one? I think it's mostly the fact of the exclusivism of it. I think within the Taylor Swift fandom, there is very much just the common principle of be nice to each other. It's something that Taylor as an artist does project. And it's something that for the majority of, of the time that I've at least been a Taylor Swift fan, it's something that set us apart from a lot of other fan bases. I think just the reason that it's so controversial is because it's just so exclusive and it's it's unkind. Everybody is here in the same boat. Everybody's here because they are a Taylor Swift fan, yet there is a group who have self-styled themselves tailors in a circle despite having absolutely no personal relationship with her nor doing this with her consent this is not what taylor wanted for her music to be leaked making a website which is effectively gloating about the music that they do have and just outright saying that they don't want to share it with other fans and it doesn't come across tasteful i definitely agree molly do you have any thoughts on that i think it's interesting that they claim that the website is set up to protect the songs but in reality putting out there that you have these songs is not protecting them i was gonna say like it's jeopardizing the songs yeah if if people know the songs exist then they know what to look for you don't know a song exists then you're not don't have a clue what you're looking for Mm. it's definitely not protecting the music Mm -hmm. i definitely agree with that and especially considering they are trying to protect them from leaks and yet they're actually still actively working to obtain new songs for themselves as seen with the lover rejects and they knew about cardigan before that was released so they're still actively going out there and trying to collect these songs for themselves and yet at the same time they are claiming that they are doing this to protect taylor and i just think that it's such a contradiction and it's ridiculous that they can claim both of these things another question is are they the real deal or are they just trolling the songs that they say they have do they actually have them how do we know this from what we've heard about the song descriptions that they do put on the website yeah they are the real deal at least for the songs that they've originally had that later became widely circulated i would say that they are telling the truth you know i think it it would be great if we could just think oh you know they're just pranking us they're just they're just doing this for a wind up as antagonizing as it is i just don't think this 40 odd year old man is making a website for the last decade about songs he doesn't have I just don't think it's yeah I also think that when you look at the hints that they were giving us in terms of cardigan they knew about that before folklore was released and you you like you can't just make that up it's not something that you can just pretend oh yeah I knew about that Mm -hmm. um so I feel like they definitely are real in terms of the information that they have and the sources that they have are probably very high up in the industry. We've also had a question about breakaways and new groups. So a couple of people have heard that there may have been members of the original Inner Circle who have broken away to join their own group or create their own group. 
And that's true. There is a site on Tumblr called Who I've Always Been, which is run by Maria and Mitchell. It was founded, I believe, in 2011 as a subgroup. The main purpose of this website was to check the demos that people had been trading to make sure they were actually legit demos. They have been inactive on Tumblr for seven years. They do have a link on their website where you can apply to join the group. However, I filled that in about five years ago and heard absolutely nothing back. Me too. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Yeah. So unfortunately, I don't think they're still active. And if they are, then it's highly possible that they are just as exclusive as the inner circle. So unfortunately, I don't think we'll be getting any extra information from them. Do either of you guys have any other things about the inner circle that you would like to discuss? I think something that's just come to mind is how do we think songs that have leaked fairly recently, so things like You All Over Me, obviously not the fearless version, the old version that leaked 2017, I think it did, and then Mm -hmm. Battle, how do we think those got out? I think that they work with somebody who is high enough to be in in the studio with Taylor, but low enough that they would go undetected, like like an intern or somebody that is friends with an intern, maybe not directly, and I think that they pay an extreme amount of money to get these old demos. Maybe not even somebody that works with Taylor directly, you know, like a lot of these old demos are recorded within big machines somewhere. They're going to be archived with an old recording studio. Maybe somebody that worked with Nathan Chapman years and years and years ago, someone that's interning with them. It's not going to be Mission Impossible to get some of the really, really old ones like Battle. You can tell her voice is so, so young on that one. You know, that was something that it's recorded crystal clear. It's very crisp in the audio. It's been done professionally, but it's not been done recent. I definitely see what you're thinking. I would maybe, I mean, my prediction's always maybe been like a sound engineer or someone who works Mm -hmm. very much behind the scenes at a recording studio or a record Mm. label. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not difficult to get like the industry source CDs in terms of the demos that she used to hand out before she was signed Mm -hmm. because I mean you can get them on eBay maybe not the particularly rare ones but I suppose if you know where to look and if you have enough money and you're willing to spend it on them you can acquire them because Mm -hmm. if they're out there then there is a way somehow of getting them I mean where there's a will there's a way personally I find it stranger or more of a mystery the way that they got the lover cuts because I feel like at that point her team was so much more exclusive and streamlined I mean lover was when she'd moved to universal so she was surrounded by a different team in terms of the record label which Mm. raises a lot of questions in terms of is it maybe not a record label is it a publicist team is it like there are so many possibilities because I think as fans we don't actually understand the magnitude of the people she works with behind the scenes in terms of marketing agencies recording agencies I mean pro licensing agencies there is so much that fans don't understand and Mm -hmm. like us included I mean I think there are just so many possibilities 100% it it is one of those where there's not that much it's just kind of like information giving yeah. This is one of those, isn't it? Yeah. But it's it's what people wanted to hear. Yeah. And it's it's also difficult because I think so much of it is conjecture and opinion. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually have that much fact on the inner circle other than maybe the history. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of it we just we don't know, and that's the truth. But we hope that we've maybe cleared a little bit of things up for you. And if you do have any more questions, then please 
follow us on Instagram and give us a shout and give us a DM, a comment, and we will do our best to answer the questions if we can. That's all we've got time for today, but we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Swift Legacy Podcast. 